Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Cast number 140. This cast is always is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buy list bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm Jeremy, and of course, I'm joined this week with my two co-hosts, Ed Wynn, fresh back from the Mythic uh, Tournament in London, and Jim Casale down there in Florida. How are you guys doing this week? Fine. Good. Well, you know who isn't doing fine? Approximately 24,000 customers or something, or, you know... We uh we don't know how many people, but apparently it's about 99% of Twitter right now um, when it comes to War of the Spark Mythic Edition. So, Ed, have you caught up on the utter fiasco that has occurred the last 24 hours while you were napping your way across the Atlantic? I was actually sitting in the lounge at JFK uh, waiting for the uh, waiting for the Mythic Edition to go live. So, I was there. I think I got my orders in. One of my orders got refunded. We'll see if the other ones did. I'm not really sure what the process is. So, I think from what I gathered, I thought it seemed like most all three of mine went through. Um, money was taken out of PayPal. I got an order confirmed. Uh, email through eBay and had the Hasbro Toy Shop left me feedback. Uh, I've heard mixed things about people. I uh, so I'm not really sure what the process is. I got one, like I said, one of my orders got refunded. So I'm just waiting to see what actually makes it to me at this point. The most interesting thing about this is currently, based on what we've seen, import fees have not been refunded at all. So. It's going to be very interesting for international customers. Do you think that that's going to play into the fact of how much this is going to go for more so now? Or do you think that a lot of people won't want to buy this on the secondary market because it's more expensive um, or less expensive because they're just burned out on the product? I think that the novelty has definitely worn off for a lot of people. Um, I know that when the Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition first came out, there was a lot of hype behind it. Um, <clears throat> it did very well in the sense that... I, let, let me rephrase. I guess because the distribution process was a little bit different... It seemed like there were more copies of the set being transacted. Obviously, a lot of people who had bought them uh, for pickup at the GPs. This was the towards the end of last year. In case people didn't remember, this was when there was a certain allotment that was sold at every Grand Prix. And as a result, because people could buy them right then and there, pick them up, a lot of people would just go around shop to vendors. And then consequently for us, whenever we bought them... <clears throat> Excuse me. We would just immediately open up the uh, box and then sell the packs with the planeswalkers in it. Um, and usually because they were right there, because I guess people were more aware of it. Um, people were generally wanting to uh, buy to pick up the singles they needed much more. Uh, with Ravnica Allegiance, that was the first time they did it on the Hasbro toy shop on eBay. Um, 
again, because they weren't necessarily right there, there were less copies of them floating around. Occasionally, people who did get them, especially towards the beginning when they were first being shipped, people would bring them to uh, the GPs to try and sell them. But at that point, it seemed like a lot of people were just trying to sell them themselves either as singles on TCG Player, Facebook, or whatever, or just selling the complete sets elsewhere rather than bringing them to GPs. Uh, I think at this point, a lot of the novelty has worn off. Obviously, the value of this one is quite a bit higher with Jason Ugin. Um, but um, Okai remained to be seen how well it does. If the price on the secondary market is as inflated as it is, um, as it's, it's looking to be, based on those two planeswalkers alone, I don't imagine that there will be a lot of people wanting to pay six, seven hundred dollars for for these sealed. But I think do think there are a lot of people out there who do want the very specific ones that they need for their deck. Jim, what are your thoughts on this? As someone who this is probably catered at more uh, to you than it is to Ed or I. Um, my, my biggest problem with this is that they didn't weight them in a way that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I, I don't know like the best way to describe what I'm trying to say, but I don't think that putting the two most expensive Planeswalkers in the same box was necessarily the best use of their money or the best use of their product. The second Mythic Edition that went up on eBay was very easy to come by because the Planeswalkers were not very desirable at the time of release. Now it's gotten a little bit better as people decided that Kai is not nearly as uh, narrow as people thought it was or as, as people thought she was, but it's still kind of in the grand scheme of things not as good as the other two Mythic Editions. And I don't understand why, if they were going to do Jace the Mind Sculptor and Ugin the Spirit Dragon, why they didn't just do one of those in the middle one instead of the, the third one. It would have helped to alleviate some of this problem where everyone knew that this one was going to be worth the amount of money that you could spend on it. Uh, I wrote an article that, and at the time of me writing the article, the cheapest copies of all of the, myth, all of the Planeswalkers that were in that set was like two hundred and forty-seven dollars. At that point, it doesn't really make any sense for anyone not to buy it because even if you were like, if you had any desire to own any of the cards, you basically broke even just by buying it. There's no way that these cards are going to be worth less than they were like the cheapest copies that are available. Um, granted, Ugin doesn't have very many printings, and even though there are multiple printings of Jace, uh, the foil ones are also still quite expensive. So it's likely that even this will still be worth more than a regular. Well, Jace, that's that's just assuming that these weren't even full art, which you know will command a premium. I, I just don't understand what their thought process was. Like, it also seems obvious to me that they're going to do this again, and I hope that they have a better plan for it, or they haven't already printed them. Because if they do this again, where all of the cards in the all of the cards are worth the same as the box, then people are going to just know that they can buy it and flip it immediately. Like, I have a, a lot of people that I play Commander with that are not very in tune with this kind of thing, and all of them were like basically, you know, every single one of them was invested in trying to get a copy of this because these were this was the cheapest copy of the of all of these cards available to them. Like they just basically got twenty four free packs, and then instead of them being non foil versions, they're all foil. Like it, it, it's just like 
it's a very desirable product and maybe they should have made more of them if they were going to do it like this but i just don't understand the thought process behind making the the second one so bad and the third one's so good like the first one i think is like what we should expect it to be like it had to fairy it had um liliana like it had two very good ones and for some reason the elspeth is quite popular even though i think it's they printed the wrong one i just i don't i don't understand what their thought process was this was i think that they burned too much equity in the first and third ones and, and didn't put enough in the second one and that caused a lot of people to go out of control for it um, it also doesn't help that some MTG finance influencers said things about it that were not necessarily true or in good faith. And I think that caused a lot of people to do things that they might not have otherwise done. Um, like, I, I do think this is a good buy if you're able to buy it in MSRP, but I don't think that this is like the kind of thing that you necessarily wanted to buy like 12 copies of, even if it was available to you. Um, because yeah, it, it will be worth more than what you paid for it, but how are you going to sell it? How are you going to ship it? Is it worth that, that risk to you at the end of the day? Um, if you know, they have more of them and they're only worth, we'll say, you know, $300. Like if they printed instead of 12,000 copies, they printed 30,000 copies. And instead of being worth 700 or $800, they were only worth $300. Is it really worth it to you? You kind of just like almost break even at that point, depending on how much sales tax you had to pay to get it. Um, I think this one had to be a success based off how bad the last one was. I think the timing of this Mythic Edition says a lot because players are already going to buy boxes. <laughs> and in a lot of cases, War of the Spark is completely sold out um, due to the new distribution numbers a lot of shops were getting, at least locally in the great state of Missouri like a lot of shops just were turning people away because we didn't get enough boxes across the state for what demand ended up being. So what you're seeing is you're, you're getting these established casual players who are going to buy a box anyway, but they make good money. And then they all wanted the same product on top of that versus the other mythic editions did not come out the first day of a set release. Less miserable, but less ex Sorry? Uh, I, you cut out. I don't know what oh. you were saying. <laughs> Where'd I uh, stop there? Uh, I, I, I don't know what you were saying. So oh, I, well, don't know. I apologize to all the listeners. But this product dropped the first day of release. We haven't even had official release yet. And all the places in Missouri are sold out of normal boxes. So this was a brilliant move by Wizards to tap into both hype for the new set as well as the whales in the community. Um, and it certainly didn't help that certain MTG finance people like ruined their credibility by alerting people that pay them for that type of information uh, multiple times about being wrong. So... Well, I'm just saying that, like, it's it's difficult for this set. Like, I think it would have been difficult for this set to not be successful one way or another. I think that the Mythic Editions, in general, are a good idea. But much like the From the Vaults, you can't put, like, I know this sounds stupid, but you can't put too much value into the, into the product because if there's too high of demand and you don't have enough, it actually just makes more people mad than happy. And 
I think that's what we're going to see going forward is like they probably honestly for this method edition, if they just had only planeswalkers that were available in War of the Spark and not Jace the Mind Sculptor and not Ugin the Spirit Dragon, I think it's it would have sold sold out anyway. Like there are so many cards in this set that are, are that are good, that are exciting, that people want to play with, and the foils are quite expensive of that they probably just could have made them all cards from the set and it would have sold just as well. And it would have kind of curbed the people that were buying it just because it was free money. And I think that that's like the biggest takeaway they can take, they can have from this is like, if you're going to make a product that has desirable cards in it, you have to calculate how much, well, the other the other thing is that they did this so far in advance that like maybe Ugin wasn't quite as expensive as it is now, and maybe they thought it was more of a B tier planeswalker instead of an A tier planeswalker like Liliana. But it's just like, how did they mess up the middle one so much? I I don't understand that. I feel like there was just so much more they could have done with it, and it just didn't it just didn't materialize. And now people see that this one's so much better, and it's just everyone wants one. I think that that's. It's good if everyone wants them if it's an unlimited print run, but it's bad if everyone wants one if it's a limited print run because you're going to have a lot of people that are unhappy. I think you're looking at it wrong from Hasbro's perspective, which is this product was a success. The last one was a success. The one before that was a success. Even if they have to give compensation again in the form of booster packs, it's been a success for Hasbro every time right but i think that it was i think the the first one had a bad distribution model but a good product i think the the second one had a worse product but a much better distribution model and this one had in a way a even worse product but but and, and it broke the distribution model like i don't i don't know I don't know really how to fix this other than to put less expensive cards in it. Ed, Jim uh, gave some good advice there. I think that this is one of those examples where Wizards, I want to say, kind of wore out their welcome, as it were. I think the first Mythic edition did a very, very good job. Was that a pun? They wore out their welcome? No, okay. it's W O R E, not W A R. My Missouri education does not comprehend, but continue. Um, this is again very similar to, um, I feel like what they did originally with um, masterpieces when they first came out. Uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, there was a huge unveiling at, I want to say it was PAX West before Battle for Zendikar came out. And then that was when they first revealed the Zendikar expeditions, and obviously that was it was hugely hyped. Uh, Battle for Zendikar probably has been their best single selling uh, booster set of all time. It was obviously like a big deal for a fall release. That was kind of a throwback to the original Zendikar, which people loved. Um, and on top of this, you had like you had like these special masterpieces that you could get in that were a big deal. And in trying to capitalize on success, obviously they continued it uh, through Kaladesh with Inventions and then onto I'm a Cat with Invocations. And each time they did it, it felt like the quality of the masterpieces got a little bit worse. Um, the distribution methods stayed the same, but it just felt 
less and less exciting as time went on. Um, mainly because clearly they're running out of ideas, they're running out of prime targets for masterpieces. And in a lot of the same way, it feels that Mythic Editions kind of suffered the same thing. Obviously, there's there will always be some novelty because they always try to include some of the new Planeswalkers in there. Um, and they tried to generate a lot of hype and value by trying to target some of the bigger Planeswalkers. Um, Teferi Hero Dalmeria was probably the biggest one in... Uh, the guilds of Ravnica edition. Ravnica Legions didn't really have a big one, and obviously Jason Ugans are the heavy hitters in this one. But it seems like people have, again, kind of gone a little bit tired of this. And like Jim said, the the quality certainly felt like it has gone down over time. And just the way that they chose to distribute it is just it's it's it just doesn't work. Um I don't think there is a good way to distribute it that uh is both fair to people who want the set itself to actually own um because naturally the way a lot of people are viewing this uh which you know is no fault of their own that's just the fault of the system itself is that a lot of people are viewing uh their own personal set as being free if they're able to sell the second set that they bought at Two at double what they paid, um, and I don't have a good solution for doing this. I'm not a fan of how they chose this masterpiece method. Um, I think doing the the long shot um, the long shot lottery ticket inside booster packs was a much more appealing way. It got it did it did the job better in the sense that it sold a lot of packs. Um, this definitely would have been a good a good uh, block uh, to implement that because obviously Planeswalkers have been the focus uh, for a long time. And obviously with War of Spark, they want the set to just have as many, I don't want to say gimmicky things, but as many cool things that they can fit in as possible. That's why we have the Japanese Ultra Art Planeswalkers. I'm pretty sure that's why they held out this Mythic Edition to be the best Mythic Edition. Um, I don't see them doing Mythic Editions going forward again. I feel like even though, you know, on 12,000 sets, they basically sold, was that, like $3 million in... $3 million in 10 minutes. Yeah, in 10 minutes, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it's worth the headache and backlash for them to deal with all this. Um, Obviously, eBay had to intervene. Uh, They, like, eBay went up and posted on Twitter about it saying that they're going through and trying to refund uh trying to refund basically everyone that every order past the original 12,000 all the duplicate orders that were sent to the same address etc um so I'm not sure I, like even though it was technically like Jeremy said profitable for Hasbro I'm not sure it's something that they would want to repeat again in the future right and the other thing that you noted about the lottery system with masterpieces, if you didn't open a masterpiece, you were pretty happy because you got a pack and you could buy another pack and maybe hit a masterpiece. Um, so the feel-good ratio of that one guy opening a masterpiece at your draft, which was really common at FNM, was good because it incentivized players to buy more packs and you know they saw how happy that player was. This set has created 
I would argue twice as much unhappiness as happiness overall. Um, so just on like a net term of casuals being happy, a lot of people would rather buy an extra $4 booster pack than spend $250 on a box. Um, just, I think if you're, if you're good with numbers, uh, I think that would make sense. More people have four to eight bucks to blow on magic cards than they do 250 bucks. So, but it's a good way for Hasbro to, in, to inject uh, some capital and be like, look, we did 3 million in sales in 10 minutes. So that's uh, pretty much it. Anything else you guys want to add about this product? Um, I think the idea was good. I, I, Personally, the execution worked for me. I understand that it doesn't work for everyone. Uh, this this product in particular would would have cost me a lot more money if it was in booster packs and not in a box set. So I understand the appeal to the people that feel like this is a better option. But I think that for the overall health of the game, it's possible that masterpieces with less like with with less different masterpieces and and the same rate. Of, of opening them, I think that might be better. Like, instead of 45 masterpieces in a set or whatever, if it was just, like, 10, I think that would be much better. I think that... I think the... I think that's much closer to what it should be. Um, for... Uh, if you look at a lot of the Japanese card games out there, uh, a lot of them have a million rarities. Uh Yu-Gi-Oh! is a pretty good example where it goes beyond just rare. You have, uh, was it like super rare, ultra rare, secret rare, ghost rare, like all these ridiculous rarities. A lot of the card games in Japan have rare, double rare, triple rare, secret rare, etc. And um, and I think they capture it. Uh, they capture experience much better in the sense that all they're trying to do is not make the game inaccessible to anyone. All they want is to um, for the people who actually care. About falling out their deck, uh, or max, or max raritying their deck, max raritying, making their decks the maximum rarity. Um, all all the game has to do is just create alternate art, um, which again I think is what Wizards was originally trying to do with the masterpieces, and they've just kind of lost track. I think um, with, for example, with War of the Spark, there's enough going on that if they had just put you know, the very same masterpieces, not masterpieces, the very same cards they chose to put in Mythic Edition to put those in packs instead. Obviously, there, there probably needs to be a few more than eight, especially because some of them aren't actually in War of the Spark themselves, but they could have very easily cho uh, chosen 12 of the best Planeswalkers, for example, given them very cool alternate art, and then put them in the packs as masterpieces. And I think that probably, again, creates a better... Um, consumer experience now like now i think you know i foresee an experience going forward where you have people playing edh at you know the local game store someone slams their you know ugin mythic edition and then someone's just immediately gonna complain about how they got screwed on it because ebay canceled their order you know they paypal refunded their order yada yada it didn't go through etc and i think that just creates a fairly negative experience for people overall. And I think that's something that Hasbro probably needs to be a little bit more cognizant of avoiding in the future. Yep. 
So let's create a good uh, feel-good experience. Jim, who won the credit this week? That was the weirdest segue I think you've done in a while. Thank uh, you. Our, our winner this week is Stephen Kessner. And Stephen asks, if the War of the Spark Myth Edition... Uh, the, sorry, the War of the Spark Mythic Edition got me thinking about my unopened copy of Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition. Currently, I can buy a list for cash all the Planeswalkers for $486. Sealed are on sale on TCG Player for $600 and more. When is opening product like a Mythic Edition better than selling it sealed? Uh, so, personally, uh, I don't want to have to piece it out. I don't own a store. And buy listing is pretty much the only way for me to get rid of it very quickly, uh, usually to the same source. And that's not, obviously, as you can see, is not necessarily the best way to go about selling your cards. Uh, if you are able to sell a sealed, edition, sealed Mythic Edition for enough more to make it worth your time to you know package and ship it, then that's probably the best idea, is sell it sealed, just get rid of it all at once, you might take a hit, like if you tried to sell all the individual planeswalkers, it might be worth more money. But honestly, the the least expensive ones are probably not going to sell very quickly or at all. And at that at that case, you know, the the I think my my rule of thumb is like if if I could sell half of it and make the the same or more money than I would selling the whole thing together, then it's worth it to me. If otherwise, it's probably not. And you should just sell the whole thing as one unit and and just be be gone with it. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, obviously, if you open a store, that's a different different case. So, for people that have better outs, uh, I will defer defer to them. I think one of the things that Ed touched on is space. Um, don't open it if you are like living in magic cards or something. Um, but it, you know, if you can get $486, that's right away. That's like current. If you're selling it for 600 on TCG, what ed fees are like 12% essentially. And you're going to have to pay like $13 for a medium flat rate or whatever for, uh, um, the sealed box. So it's a lot closer than you think. Um, if you, 486 for just the planeswalkers minus the booster packs is probably going to be about the same return as selling it for on TCG for like 590. Uh, your best bet is probably to just sell it on um, Twitter for like 575 or something, or like a Craigslist or Facebook group. But Ed's better at this than I am, so I'll defer to him. Uh, I think because this is a, obviously it's a fairly limited product. I think there is a lot of equity in keeping it sealed. Obviously it sells for much less, but it's natural to demand a large premium for keeping these sealed. Uh, you have to understand that the very nature of this product, it was meant to be open and drafted. Um, obviously like with the inclusion of the booster packs, um, a lot of people who did buy them, uh, again, they just opened. They just opened it up, did a draft, and then kept the planeswalkers, etc. Um, so I, a lot of them are already gone in the sense that 
people didn't keep them sealed. Whereas if you compare it to something like like the previous from the vaults or um trying to think of another limited commander anthology for example i guess there's not a huge market for those but because a lot of people were naturally inclined to keep them sealed there's not much that much of a premium whereas this because so many people have gone through and just opened them i think there is some uh there's certainly some appeal uh to keeping them sealed I think naturally the sealed product will go up over time much more than the planeswalkers. Um, I think the planeswalkers, the singles themselves, are probably relatively fixed in price. Uh, they probably will be for a decent amount of time until they start to dry up like the normal masterpieces. But I think the sealed, even though it'll be much, it'll take much longer to sell. I think in the end, if you're not in necessarily rush to turn it over then I think I have no problem just keeping it sealed and then just throwing up on TC player, you know, like not necessarily the cheapest, maybe the cheapest if you're looking to get rid of it right away, but just putting it 10% above the cheapest or something, it'll eventually sell. Uh, you'll get a better return. Um, again, that's if you're okay, just throwing up on TC player, forgetting about it. And then someday you'll just wake up and get an email saying, Oh, this sold overnight, especially if you consider, um, when whenever there's people uh the tg player credit kickback like there will be tomorrow i think it starts tomorrow uh generally people are inclined to pick up big ticket items like this during that time so i would keep it sealed just throw it up on your tg player have the listing active and whenever it sells it sells i talked about this yesterday on twitter but you know 250 bucks is a lot of someone's budget um, if they're in the MTG finance game. I know a lot of people that took money they probably shouldn't have and decided to buy this product um, and they're hoping on making a quick buck, which I guess is fair. Um, it currently what I'm seeing is Wizards is the people that are getting refunded are getting refunded in like five days. Uh, if you're overseas, so those people may not um, be in the best of situations if they were hoping on paying rent with this. But, you know, if you need the money, go ahead and buy list. Or for even the newer one, you know, sell it for 100 bucks more than you paid. But a lot of people can afford to just sit on this, take their time, and be rewarded in kind for playing the long game. Because... As of right now, and confirmed by Wizards on the WPN page, they're not going to be printing additional copies of this at this moment, as of yesterday. So, that's uh, pretty much it. Jim? Where can people leave questions? Well, Stephen, you can send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffing.com. If you'd like to win next week, you can leave a uh, question on the page that will go up on coolstuffing.com. Uh, we're doing this as a weird day, so it might be up Friday the 3rd. Uh, if not, it might be up Monday the 6th. <laughs> what else is there to talk about the everybody's talking about this product so yeah i mean 
standard looks like it could be great, but I feel like there's a small chance that for the health of the format, there might be a banning on Wilderness Reclamation. Uh, there are some people whose uh, professional opinions playing Magic I respect a lot say that uh, a lot of their viewers uh, very much don't like the Wilderness Reclamation decks, don't like playing against them, don't like seeing them played. They're, they just find them quite boring. Uh, I feel like, given the amount of data that, that Wizards of the Coast has now from uh, Magic Arena, they can make a better estimated guess as, as to whether or not this is going to be a problem in the long term. Uh, however, uh, I believe that Nexus of Fate rotates in the fall because uh, it's the it's from the corset, so they might just let it ride out until then. Because I think the next the next Pro Tour is Modern, and then the Pro Tour after that would be uh, the next the, the, the Corset Pro Tour. I don't know anymore, but. I don't know. It's just something to, to keep in mind. Uh, if you're if you're very heavily invested in cards that go into the uh, Wilderness Reclamation deck, the Simic one specifically, uh, maybe maybe don't own those forever. Uh, if you're not playing with them, just get rid of them. It's uh, pretty hard to see. Like it, it, there's there's not a lot of justification for keeping it. I don't think that they get very much more expensive and. If they get too popular, it could get banned. Uh, you know, we're not that far removed from standard bannings for cards that were too ubiquitous or too powerful or just not fun to play against. Bolus has said it all, is making waves in the finance community. And I know a lot of people are testing it in um, standard and vintage for some reason. It's a really fun tinker target. So it's just something to keep an eye on. I know the price has ticked up a bit. But it's also a game day promo. I was about to say you can get one for free next yes. week if you go to your LGS. But Restoration Angel was the same thing. Now it's not the same type of card, but I'm just putting that out there. For sure. I mean, looking at that, I think that that makes like the EV of going to play your LGS that weekend just extremely high. Do you want to know what a... the bigger EV is for this weekend? I'm sorry. The bigger. EV for this weekend is getting promo Liliana's caress or whatever that card is. The thing that's going to replace uh diabolic edict and legacy. Liliana's triumph. Is that what you meant? One. Yeah. Is it I've got a stack of Liliana's Chris is next to me. So that messed me up. Yeah. I was like, that card doesn't, doesn't do anything. Well, that card's six bucks. I know so, it's still, it doesn't mean that it does anything. It's just <laughs> it's six dollars because people think it does something. Yes, but um, that card's going to be worth something. Legacy players are looking for that, and it only takes a few people for the price to go up. So I like that card a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's definitely true. Uh, are they FNM promos? I, I don't I don't know. I don't. That is the one. If you teach a new player how to play Magic, you have to oh. teach three to four of them. You get one for free. So on Friday, you draft, you get a new set, you get the Bolus' Citadel promo, and then on Saturday, you go back for game day and you get the Liliana's thing. But that's only if you can spend, uh, that's only if you can tolerate 24 hours of dealing with Magic players. So it's a tall order. I don't, 
sorry. Uh, I'm I so when when you enter to win store the uh, cool stuff store credit, I, I answer the email that you send during the cast, and I there's an there's an email here that's like the weirdest combination of like parody and pun and ma I don't even I don't know what this person's. Did we get our first email? No, it's not a, our first email, but it's the weirdest email I've ever seen. We're not BSB. Don't email us. <laughs> I didn't say that. Jer Jeremy said that. You can email us if you feel like it. But this this person starts out by saying, greetings from the swamp continent of Urborg. And then I just skimmed the rest of it. And the last three lines are, here's my $25 question. How is investing in Hasbro investing in magic? I don't know how to answer this. I don't know who That's sent this, question. but I'll, I'll read it later, or I'll post it in our chat later, because it's not. I, I don't have. A, I don't have the brain power to to parse what's going on in here. He's but a simple Florida man. No, Florida I'm a New Yorker. I just <laughs> I retired early. Weird flex, but okay. I mean, I'm not actually retired. You know that it was a joke. Because people from the Northeast kind of hear the retirement. You know what? <laughs> I've been trying to work weird flex, but okay, into my like daily conversations, and I haven't been able to do it yet. And the fact that you just so perfectly got me on that is really depressing. Sir, this is the Wendy's. <laughs> no, it's not. But um, yeah. I you don't know. Is there any leaders. other finance stuff we want to get into? Or do we just want to go to pick of the week? That's a good question. Ed, you look like you had something to say. I don't. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. You would be the best weatherman because they just ask you what's the weather and it's just like, it is. Back to the news desk. What? What do you, you mean what? Have you ever watched the weather? Like, did you not have a TV growing up as a child? I don't watch the weather. I, no, that's not. I didn't say. Do you actively watch the weather? I said, have you never seen the weather? Like, have you never? Had, were your parents never watching the news, and you just like walked into the room and watched the news for like two minutes before you realized you were watching the news, and then went to do something else with your life? Oh, no. All right. Well, leave a comment on the coolstuffinc.com.com page that goes up. Let me know if you've ever watched anyone do the weather. This conversation is odd. Jim, are you the win? Because that blows. Let's get in pick of the week. Ed? <laughs> Jesus. That was so bad. Jesus Christ, that was terrible. Okay, great segue. Um, currently... I'm a fan of Battle Bond. Uh, I think the best cards in it right now are the lands, the cycle of uh, EDH lands, I guess. Don't really have a good name for them. Um, they've done nothing but trend up. Um, uh, Morphic Pool was the only one that was like close to $10, and now Sea of Clouds is basically $10. It's not quite there yet, but it's getting pretty close. Uh, Battlebond has basically just completely disappeared. Not many stores have any left in stock that I've seen. Um, 
the boxes themselves are starting to get fairly expensive. I imagine that every time uh, there's like an eBay coupon or a TCG kickback sort of thing, there's probably a non-zero number of people that just go out and want to use their coupon on a box or even a case or something. Um, these types of cards, uh, the lands themselves specifically move fairly well. Um, it doesn't seem like they'll go back down without some sort of reprint or in the event that they end up in the commander box set or something. Um, most stores that have buy lists on them, they, the buy lists have generally trended upwards. Again, these are super popular. You can sell them in very, very large quantities because they go in, in almost every deck. Um, it's basically the closest to a dual land there is for most EDH players. Um, Obviously, they're not fetchable, but they move really well. They move in very, very large volume. Most stores have a fairly tight spread on them like, because of how well they move. And it wouldn't surprise me if one of these just decided to pop one day. Because if one of them pops, then if Morphic Pool just goes from $10 to $15, $18, the rest of them are probably going to just increase by like 50% price as well. So... Anyone who doesn't have them, I think getting them for your EDH decks now is probably better than waiting. And for anyone who has them, I think trying if you're trying to hold on to them, it wouldn't surprise me if these things popped in like the next six months or so. That's a good point. I agree. Especially because we've seen Marvick pull like total line between 15 to 17 retail and then go back down and then go back up again. So there's definitely demand there. Jim? Uh, my pick this week is Pure Imaginative Rascal. Uh, it's a card that spiked kind of recently up to about $8 uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, looks like looks like the end of February, the beginning of March. Uh, this card works is also from Battlebond, a card that is set that's not opened a ton. Uh, it works very well with Proliferate. It works very well with Planeswalkers. Uh, as people start building more decks and realizing how good that they are, I think that this is the kind of card that could end up a lot like Doubling Season. Uh, it costs less mana. It's not as a powerful of an effect, but it's one that you're going to want in every every deck that has any kind of counters. Uh, unfortunately, Toothy, the one that pairs with it, is not nearly as good. Uh, it works well with Pier, but it's not necessary to play in like a Planeswalker exclusive deck. So I don't think that, that you necessarily want to buy both of them. Uh, but Pier by itself is is pretty great, pretty pretty powerful. Um, and I think that it's going to be noticed very quickly. I don't like it because it does to like every type of removal in EDH versus doubling I mean, season. I mean, it's a three mana one, one, but yeah, like it's going to, it's going to die, but like all your creatures will die, die eventually. The, the, the real, the real difference here is that you can't play two doubling seasons in your deck. Correct. So I agree with you that it's going to go up. I don't like the comparison to doubling the season. I would put it more at like parallel lives than doubling the season. As far as future price gain, Sorry, I wasn't comparing it to the doubling season price. I was comparing it to the doubling season effect. 
Ah, like okay. Deck, decks that will play doubling season will also play this. Yes. Okay. Um, my pick of the week is Windswept Teeth. Um, all the other cons fetches are decidingly way over twenty dollars, twenty five dollars. Um, Polluted Delta is pushing thirty. Uh, one of the listeners of this cast clued me under the price of Windswept Teeth. It's like fourteen bucks. Um. And one swept teeth isn't really played in modern outside of spirits, which isn't like a deck right now. Um, if the meta shifts, or if we continue to see demands for fetches increase, I think one swept teeth easily hits twenty dollars on TCG low. Um, so if you buy it at fourteen, you're not really going to make any money like reselling on TCG. But once again, if you have a trade binder, and for some reason uh, they want to trade away fetches which happens less and less, it feels like, which is why the prices are going up, obviously. Um, I think it's a good target to go up another 20% in the next couple of months. Um, I don't know what data looks like from Ed's side as far as buy less at GPs are concerned, but if all the other ones go up, at the very least, one swept teeth should continue to go up. So we'll see what happens. Wow, no arguments this week. Very little puns. Um, don't don't very little puns. You had plenty of puns, and we told you they were bad because you deserve that. Oh, uh, well. Where can people find you um, on social media? I'm Ed. You guys can find me on Twitter at Edwin13. I will be at the Tales of Venture booth for the stretch of USGPs we have coming up, starting with uh, Madison next weekend. Uh, I think that's all. I think that's all. Uh, shout out to people who came up to me in London. There are a few people that uh, came up to me. I fortunately do not remember your name. I'm very, wow. very... How I'm, rude. I, I know I'm extremely jet lagged. I had the worst time dealing with jet lag. I thought you were ad, not jet lagged. Um, thank you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Did you just make a dad joke? Because you're encroaching on my territory. You need to you need to step off. Okay. Uh, I do dad jokes. You do bad puns. Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, I was. I apologize for not remembering your name, but again, shout out to people who uh, come up to uh, to chat with me at GPs. It's always cool to talk to listeners out there. Because you don't talk to us here. Yikes! Uh, I'm hot fire today. Uh, my name is Jim Kasai. You can find me on Twitter at phrost underscore. You can find my articles on coolstuffinc.com. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our. Brother cast, friend cast, brainstorm brewery. Uh, they had the wife cast episode go up uh, to everyone. I think today or yesterday. Uh, I was listening to it today. It's hilarious, and it's something that we can never do because my co-hosts will never get married. Two. Oh, yikes! Uh, two things about that. It was a good cast, but if you're not a poor, you could have gotten it weeks ago on YouTube. Um, second off. Ed was just on a Japan podcast talking about how to MTG finance your first time in Japan. And it was really informative. And I'm very surprised Ed did not shout it out 
now that the podcast is actually released or the second version. Do you want to talk about that before I plug, Ed? Yes, uh, I also completely forgot about that. I apologize. Um, he so forgets re- his own podcast, guys. Uh, I uh, too many inquiries. I'm too popular. Apparently, everyone wants me. People can't have me. Um, I was on the God. I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, anyways, um, Ryan and Dan. They're pretty, two pretty cool guys. They live in Japan. Ryan is the one who writes for uh, the Japan Hobbyist. Um, he is. Uh, he basically keeps track of all the stores. He tells you where they are. Um, just kind of just a brief review on card stores across Japan, as it were. He writes fairly frequently. Um, the podcast I did, I kind of spoke about my experiences as a foreigner. Uh, going to Japan, how it is to uh, buy and sell at GPs. Um, it's, I, I would say I definitely gave quite a bit of good information. Obviously, Ryan and Dan, uh, the hosts, they live in Japan, so they give a lot of good input as well. Um, I would definitely recommend that particular episode um, for anyone who is planning on going to Japan and they have... Um, and they have any sort of plans to go check out card stores or anything, or even just GPs. I think it's a good it's a good place to start. I I give a decent amount of information, again about my my experiences being in Japan, dealing with the different vendors there, um, and I think it's it's there's definitely good information for anyone again who wants to go check out uh, stores in Japan. Um, they I think, uh, excuse me, Ryan had said in the future that they would do more. Uh, episodes related to GPs themselves. So, for example, I imagine once uh, July rolls around and GP Chiba is on more people's radar, they'll probably put something out that kind of um, that tells you, like, for example, how to get there, different stores in the area, which stores to visit, etc. Yep. Uh, yep. I have uh, on my Twitter, I uh, retweeted the link to the podcast. I think. Um, I will link it again after this cast for anyone who I linked it on Cartel for our listeners. All right. An hour ago. Yeah. Word. It's on there. Um, you can find me. I'll be in Hawaii, which is odd because Ed is normally the one in Hawaii. Um, I'll be in Honolulu. I'll hope to get better audio next week, but I'm there for two weeks, I think. And then I'm off to Japan. So we will see. <laughs> Jeez, Jim. What did I do to deserve this? Jesus. I don't know. I was just, I was feeling spicy today. <laughs> I hate you guys. We would like to end this cast by saying you can find us on Twitter at cartel underscore finance on YouTube live. We had a lot of people tune in, which we appreciate. Um, SoundCloud and our sponsors, coolstuffinc.com. Um, we'll see all of you guys next week. Uh, just some parting words of wisdom. If you listen to Cartel three weeks ago, we used to end um, Cartel with a saying because my co-host could never stop me from talking, obviously. Uh, so thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats number 140. Uh, Jim would like us, the listeners to know that uh, Ed is our favorite nut because he's salty and roasted. 
Um, and as always, thanks as always for the great week and bye-bye.